Well, good morning, Crossroads. Uh, one Sunday a year, we uh, take a, uh, a moment, we take a, a Sunday, we look back and we look ahead. It's a Sunday we call, vis- we call Vision Update Sunday, and that's, uh, that's today. Um, we don't want this, I don't want this to just be a list of what we've done and what we're going to do. I don't want this to be a, a report on uh, you know, numbers and finances and things. That's not the intent, uh, although those are all things in behind the scenes of, of the workings of a church. Um, what I want to do today is us to really to take a look back on where we've come from, and most importantly, I want us to look at where we're going. Uh, On Thursday morning, we have a Thursday morning men's group, and let me give a shameless plug for men. If uh, you're looking for something to do, even if you're not looking for something to do on a Thursday morning, a wonderful group of guys um, join together uh, from 7 to 8 a.m., and uh, we just have a great time. Coffee and donuts and spending time in the Word and praying with one another. It's a great time. You're more than welcome to join us. There are plenty of opportunities, not just Thursday mornings and not just for men. We're going to be talking about that a little more today, opportunities for you to grow in your faith. But this past Thursday, I thought it was really appropriate because we've been going through uh, the book of Joshua, and we're in Joshua 4. And uh, it's the story of where Joshua and the Israelites are crossing over the Jordan River into the promised land. And it's the story of them taking those stones from the middle of the, the Jordan River, 12 stones, and setting them up as a monument of God's faithfulness that they would stand as a reminder for God's people for generations to come <clears throat> that God is faithful and God is the one who brought them into the land. A good uh, awesome reminder of, of of paying tribute to what God has done in our lives and then also looking ahead to what um, he has for us. What I found interesting, not just the story, but uh, Dr. Carmen. Uh, many of you know uh, Dr. Calvin Carmen. He's uh, uh, a member of our church. Uh, we've had him uh, up on the platform a number of times to interview about some of the, uh, the things that I've been talking about. Uh, wonderfully wise theologian and uh, um, Dr. Carmen uh, just brought up, he says, you know, um, I thought it was incredibly profound. He said this, he says, um, you know, we live in a society that, uh, that really doesn't stop and contemplate life or contemplate things. I thought, man, you are absolutely right. He went on to say that it feels like many of us live almost uh, ADD lives, that we're just so concerned about what's next and what's next and what's next. Almost this manic, hyperactive lives that we live and our society in general is non-contemplative. Well, I don't want us to live our lives like that. I want us to be able to stop and to pause. And really, you look throughout Scripture and those, there are those times, not, not even to mention the, the makeup of, of the Jewish calendar with the feasts, but you think of the, the week in its, of itself with the, the pause that we have on the Sabbath to be able to pause and stop and reflect. But, but you think of, you read through the, the book of Psalms and often throughout the, the Psalms, you have this one little word that many of us go, what does that mean? Uh, it's the word selah. And it simply means stop and reflect. And so in essence, that's what Vision Update Sunday is. It's, a, it's an opportunity for us to stop, to be contemplative, um, 
to look at God's faithfulness, but also look ahead to what God has for us. Well, let me give you a little bit of an introduction to Crossroads Church. And you might be saying, well, Darren, we attend Crossroads. We know what Crossroads is about. But I think it's always good to be reminded of who we are and what we're, what we're called to be. Uh, Crossroads Church, uh, many of you, uh, as you drive by the church, you pick up a bulletin, you see our logo and it says Crossroads Church. Well, another one of our official logos is this, and it says everyone matters. Uh, We say everyone matters because we believe this. We believe that every single person is created in the image of God, not just the people who attend Crossroads, not just the people who profess Christ as their Savior and Lord, not just people who look like us, smell like us, act like us, drive like us, vote like us, not just that homogenous group of people. We believe that every single person in the entire world is created in the image of God and is important to God. Therefore... See how I did that? Therefore, every single person is important to us. It's logical. It makes sense. And that's why we say everyone matters. People are important to God, so people are important to us. Let me give you a little bit of an idea of what I see and what I experience and hopefully what you see and what you experience when you think of Crossroads and when you experience Crossroads. It's found in Acts chapter 2. And this is really a target. It should be a target for every church. I believe it's a target for us, and it's a a target that we are constantly moving toward. It's in Acts 2.42, and and without reading a lot of it, I I just want to pick out a few uh, snippets there. It's not going to be up on the screen, so just listen. They devoted themselves to teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship, breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonderful signs Uh, were performed uh, by the apostles. All the believers, they were together and they had things in common. They gave, they were generous to one another. They, They met together with glad and sincere hearts, praising and enjoying favor of all of God's people. And it goes on to say the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's this dynamic community that was, was coming together. And, and, and this is what I experience and hopefully what you experience when you think of and when you experience Crossroads Church. This, this organic group of people. And, and trust me, when people get together, hopefully you know this just from your own family, when people get together, um, we are not all alike. We, are, we don't all uh, walk alike, talk alike, think alike, dream alike. And, and that at times makes for a little bit of conflict, makes for mess, makes for just stuff, right? And that's the wonderful thing of this thing we call Crossroads Church. As we come together as the body of Christ, we, we understand that the person sitting next to us, maybe even the person that we're married to, maybe even the person we, we gave birth to, is imperfect. That's the reality of it. Truth be told, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think it's a surprise to any of the, the people who know me or the people who uh, make Crossroads their home here, but I am not perfect. And my wife said, Amen. You know, I am not perfect. And if you think I'm perfect, sorry, I'm going to sadly disappoint you. I, I'm just going to. Not on purpose. Uh, just as Paul says, we don't, we don't sin more just so grace can abound more. No, we don't do that on purpose. But, but just the flawed self and the, the humanity that we live out on our day-to-day lives, it's just inevitable that we are going to screw up. 
I think uh, one person put it right in that, why are we surprised when our brother and sister in Christ fail? In fact, we should be surprised when they act Christ-like because that's counter culture. That's counter what they are wired. We're all wired with a sinful nature. So the sin nature is that which, I hate to say, comes naturally. Acting out in a Christ-like manner is a work of the Holy Spirit within us. And that's where we go, whoa, that's cool. So instead of, I don't want us to practice this, but have it in your mind the next time somebody disappoints you, just go, that's a result of the fall. That's a result of Satan's work and sin in a person's life. Now, when something awesome happens and someone acts Christ-like and someone does something, you go, let's give God the glory because that's truly the work of a miracle, right? I just blown your mind, haven't I? Well, this is what Crossroads Church is all about. It's wonderfully messaged, diversity, and yet there's this unity, this love and affinity for one another. I was sharing with the worship team beforehand, uh, before the first service, and, and recalling Paul's words to a church that he, he, he founded. He said, I love you. I feel this way about you, and it's right for me to feel this way about you because, because uh, the Lord has placed this affinity in my heart. That's that's just what it is. And we all have this affinity for one another, flaws and all. Not that we look over them and pass them over and just kind of go, oh, well, whatever. No, we understand that we're all a work of grace and we're all a work of Christ's Holy Spirit in our lives. This is what Crossroads is all about. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. You see, the body of Christ is made up of different parts, and yet it is one. We're not all cookie-cutter parts. We're all a diverse cross-section of humanity, and yet we form one body, which is known as the body of Christ. Well, let me give you a few recap notes from 2018. We're not going to spend a lot of time there. What I want to do is I want to get onto this new year and where God is calling us to, but let me give you a little bit of a, just a, a breeze through 2019 um, at risk of missing a whole lot of details. Uh, 2019 was the first year, uh, a first full year that Pastor Beth was here in our kids' department. Um, and uh, has done amazing things. Uh, it's so good to have uh, her and, and her husband Dale and Macy uh, on staff here, uh, Pastor Beth on staff, and have them all a part of our church. They moved up to Wise County the beginning of last year and uh, just hit the ground running. A lot of changes, a lot of transitions, a lot of just uh, things going on. Uh, You will recall that uh, it was uh, March of last year that we sent uh, Cody and Leanne Wadsworth and their entire family to Ireland. And and it was just dawned on me last year that that this is all the change that took place, not just in our church, but uh, Cody and Leanne were vital, vital ministry leaders in our children's department. And that was a massive gap that, that was opened up when they, uh, when they moved to Ireland. And soon after that, uh, uh, Jeremy and Julia Collins uh, became part of our congregation. Uh, Jeremy is uh, assisting uh, Beth down in our children's department. Many of you have met uh, Jeremy and his wife, Julia. Uh, let me just give a side note. And if you weren't here last week, um, just let you know that uh, Julia uh, gave birth to their twin boys last Sunday morning. 
And uh, so we have, uh, we've added two to the church in just seven, uh, seven days. Uh, but uh, they will be in the nursery soon, so sign up now to be a part of rocking two uh, twin boys very quickly. Um, but, um, oh, uh, let me just say, they, they had spent the week in uh, the NIC unit uh, down in uh, Fort Worth. They are out of the NIC unit and into a regular room now, and they'll be coming home uh, uh, hopefully soon uh, this week. So our thoughts and prayers are with them. But uh, that said, just another change, another uh, um, uh, building of our team in our children's department. Many of you serve uh, as volunteer or leaders uh, within our children's department, whether it's in our nursery or toddlers, uh, our elementary age group. Pastor Beth was really the one that spearheaded our, our um, new ministry called Bridge 56 for our fifth and sixth graders. Even before the school was, was um, making it official to uh, open up the fifth and sixth grade campus, Pastor Beth and, and Luke, Pastor Luke had already been talking about um, this fifth and sixth grade uh, age group. We know that fifth graders don't relate well. They're not the same as kindergartners or first graders. We know that sixth graders are not the same as 11th and 12th graders. And so they really had a heart of theirs to uh, spearhead and to open up this new department, this new ministry called Bridge 56. And it's going like gangbusters. Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, uh, down at the end of this hall. Uh, very soon, we'll be moving them out, uh, uh, the 5th and 6th and the 7th and 8th, out to this new portable classroom that has two classrooms in there, and we're going to have a grand unveiling and an opening of that. Um, just a lot of things that have gone on this past year. In our youth group, uh, Pastor Luke and Brittany, wonderful people. Uh, I tell you, if, you've, uh, if you haven't met Pastor uh, Luke and, and Brittany personally, uh, you have to spend about 15 seconds with them uh, to just know their heart, their heart for the Lord, but also their heart for young people and for families. Uh, it's so neat to see just the, the leadership team expanding and just quality leaders in our youth department, in our middle school, and in our high school areas uh, over the last number of months seeing worship being developed and, and our, our students leading worship on a Wednesday night. I was telling the first service, I came in here on uh, this past Wednesday evening and just poked my head in for a few moments as worship was going on and you could truly feel the presence of the Lord here in this place. Uh, just a wonderful atmosphere, kids learning and growing in their faith, kids expressing themselves in worship, kids serving not only one another, but serving in our community and a vibrant, thriving, healthy uh, youth group. Uh, it's worth saying that, that Pastor Luke has uh, a, almost a full-time ministry outside of Crossroads Church. I say it's full-time because just the, the dedication and the hours and the energy he puts into it. Many of you don't know, all throughout the football season, it actually started even in, uh, in training. Uh, Pastor Luke is uh, a character coach on our high school football team. Uh, he's on the sidelines at home games. He's uh, at every single practice, had been at every single practice during football season 
season. And for those of you who don't know that there are two fives on the clock, the early five is the one that he was uh, often up at the high school, uh, early mornings, um, not teaching kids and training kids how to catch a ball and how to run a route, but he was teaching them and, and really being a listening ear and, a, and a, uh, just a mentor for many young men in our community and a, just a wonderful, wonderful impact that he has. Right now, he's active uh, as an assistant for the powerlifting team, and for some reason, they didn't ask me to be a part of that, but uh, anyways... Uh, I hear you. No, but you can understand, Pastor Luke just loves that, and uh, he's got a great relationship um, with students uh, at the high school, but also throughout the community. He's well respected among his peers at, uh, who are youth pastors at other churches and a, truly a leader in our community, and, and we're just blessed uh, by what God is doing there. Let me pause for a moment and, and tell you that there is always room and there is always need in our children's and our youth departments for volunteers and for people to serve. And hear me, you might be saying, hey, I can't teach. Um, listen, you don't need to teach. There are plenty of, uh, there's plenty of room, plenty of opportunity. Now, if you can teach, there's great opportunity there for you as well. But youth ministry and children's ministry is so much more than just teaching. It's mentoring. It's encouraging. It's crowd control. It's, and you might say, I do that, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day at home. Well, no, this is different. You have much more grace for other people's kids. Okay. Um, so there's that, I tell you, there's feeding, like there's food that goes on in this place. And if you don't think that, uh, um, high schoolers can pack away food, you're missing something. It has like, so that we, we, uh, we serve food to our youth group, to our kids, there's snacks, there's that side of it. There's, there's uh, activities, games, uh, uh, things that just interactive uh, things. We believe that our students spend a whole lot of time in a classroom throughout the week just sitting there and listening. And, and they're really craving this personal interaction with one another. And being a leader is really fostering that. And so any way that you can give or serve or help out, uh, please talk to Pastor Luke, talk to Pastor Beth, or call the church office. We have a place for you to use your gift. Let me move on just quickly and just mention Pastor Elaine and her vast areas of ministry. I don't think there's a ministry in this church that isn't touched in some way, shape, or form by what Pastor Elaine does. Um, from CR to our, our uh, connections teams, uh, to our follow-up, to our, you name it, uh, um, uh, caring in our community and our, our community service and our community outreach. Uh, so many areas of ministry that Pastor Elaine oversees and is doing a fantastic job there. Pastor Barry and our worship team, um, just Sunday after Sunday, week after week, um, love the fact that there's a priority placed on worship, entering into the presence of God. I said this in the first service, I'll say it again in this service. I never feel like um, our worship is relegated to a, a, a process or a, a type of, of methodology. Um, if we do this, then this will be re the response. If we do this, if we go there, it's not formulaic worship. 
Um, this is truly a pastor and a, a team of people, not just the ones who are here this morning, but uh, we are so blessed with so many worship leaders, so many musicians. That doesn't mean we don't need more. So many tech people who are behind the scenes, uh, who are praying, serving, and doing it with a heart that is hearing and listening from the heart of the Lord. And uh, I'm sure you'd agree that each and every Sunday here is an experience and an encounter in the presence of the Lord. It's not a regimented formula of how to get somewhere or someplace or how to get a, just a, a special feeling in, in, our, in our guts. And so we're blessed um, in so many areas throughout the church. Worship is another one of those. One last thing I want to mention is just missions. Um, uh, Josh and Candy Dalton are with us for another few more months. Josh is uh, back at the soundboard today uh, helping out. Um, if you weren't able to be with us two weeks ago when they were able to share, I invite you to um, hear more of their story, hear more of uh, what God's called them to in the Philippines. Um, we have Cody and Leanne Wadsworth, as I've mentioned, in Ireland, Carissa Wagner in Thailand. Um, just blessed by the footprint of missions that we have around the world, and that is only going to increase in this coming year. There's a, a team that's already prepared, tickets are bought uh, to go to Ireland, to Belfast, to uh, the church that we partner with, with the, the Wadsworths. They're going to be uh, traveling during spring break, and uh, we have uh, hopefully plans for more trips in the future. Well, as I mentioned, it's good to reflect. It's good for us to look back and look ahead. It's a time that we, uh, that we personally and corporately get to pause and go, okay, Lord, what are you doing? What have you been doing? And what do you want to do? And I believe that in this coming year, 2019, there are three things in, in particular that we're called to focus in on. Some we're already doing. One in particular I feel we need to hone in a little bit more. Let me share those with you. The first one is loving. I feel that uh, Crossroads is so much of a loving church. Last summer, you may recall, um, as we jumped into the fall season, we, we jumped into a, a sermon series called Love Where You Live. We talked about neighbors, who is my neighbor? And this really became a, a theme uh, throughout our church of, of loving in a tangible way. You know, we talk about Jesus uh, uh, repeating the, the great law of the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we embrace that. We go, yes, I love that. And we get on to the, what we feel is a, a, an equal um, important uh, command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. And we take those and we go, yes, yes, yes. But what we fail to do, as I mentioned last fall, is we fail to, to hit the second part of what Jesus was saying in the, in the first part. And he says, it's equal and unto, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what does he say? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we explored that. We jumped into it. And, and if you recall, Serve Sunday, it was one of those scrappy kind of off the charts kind of, hey, we've never done this before, but hey, we're going to cancel church on a Sunday morning. And you know what? Y'all are going to be the sermon and y'all are going to go do and y'all are going to go bless and y'all are going to... And we had hundreds of people, many of you, if not all of you, got involved and jumped in and, and people were, were uh, you know, digging ditches and building ramps and cleaning houses and you name it. We had teams all over the place. 
just an amazing presence of the Lord working in us and through us. And that's something we're going to continue. I mentioned back then, I'll mention it again. That wasn't a one-time deal. We're going to continue to serve. We're going to do another Serve Sunday later this year, probably about the same time as we did last year. But the other thing I like about it, a couple of things I liked about what we did was it wasn't a publicity stunt. You know, no one was calling up the newspaper and going, hey, do you hear what this church is doing? And hey, look at us. And it was just flying under the radar screen and doing what we do. Love that. Not getting recognition, not, not because we want to pat on the back or go look at us. And in fact, I love, it was also very motivating. I got a couple of calls from other churches and we're going to take them up on it because they said, next time you do it, count us in. We're in with you. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's influencing the community, particularly the community of faith. The other thing I liked about Serve Sunday was it didn't just start and end with Serve Sunday. Many of you have been doing it since on your own. You're serving your neighbor. You're getting out of your comfort zone and you're seeing people who are in need. And I hear stories all the time of you guys serving and loving well. So we're called to love. We're called to reach out. We're called to embrace all that God has for us. The next thing I believe that we're called to do is learn. We're called to learn. And you know, a few months back, uh, the elders, uh, we had a a retreat and uh, we spent some time together talking over some things and it gave me a a chance to share a document with them, something I'd written. It's kind of a hopes and dreams document that I'd written even before coming to Crossroads Church. And it's, I I don't have time to get into it. There's uh, some fascinating features about that document, but just my prayers and my hopes for what a church would look like, a church that I would lead would look like. And here are a few uh, um, just pictures that I painted in that document that I was able to share with the elders. I believe that Crossroads is a dinner table. It's a, it's a place where we invite people to sit down and to, to have community together and to interact with one another. This open invitation, almost like that, that invitation of Revelation 21 where the bride and the lamb say, come, come to this feast, come to this huge table, sit down and, and enjoy the presence of the Lord. It's an open door that people would come and be a part of what's going on in here. It's a dinner table. I, I told them, I believe that Crossroads is a hospital. It's a place to heal. It's a place to mend. A place for people who are hurting, not just physically or mentally, emotionally, but spiritually as well. A place for people to get healed and to get mended. It's a school. It's a place to learn and grow. A place for people to, to grow in their faith. And it's a launch pad. It's, it's what's in here isn't to be kept in here. It's a place where we are, are jettisoned and springboarded out of here to impact a world around us. Each one of those is a picture of what God has called us to as a church and something that we're called to fulfill. One comment that we, we as we were talking around as, as elders, um, we came to the conclusion that one of the things we do well is, is we're a hospital. We see a lot of hurting people, a lot of people who are wounded, a lot of people who need to be bandaged up and helped along the way, and that's a great thing. But one of the comments was, if that's all we are, then we are lacking and we are incomplete. 
So it doesn't mean that we set that aside. No, in fact, we embrace that all the more, but to it we add the things that God has called us to. And I believe one of those things in particular this year that God is calling us to is to become more of that school and more of that launch pad. We're called to learn. We're called to grow in our faith. Matthew 5, as Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount, it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And I believe in that setting, there are three things going on in that teaching moment that I believe becomes a model for us as we learn and as we grow in our faith. I've titled this sermon, Growth brings change. It's one of our core values, but there are three particular aspects of those disciples and those followers coming up and meeting with Jesus. The first one was proximity. It's getting close. We talk about being engaged and, engaged and empowered followers of Christ. Well, how do we engage with Jesus Christ? We get into proximity with Him. We get into the same room with Him. We spend time with Him. And I believe in order for us to learn and to grow, we need to get close to Him. And how are you going to do that? I want you to ask yourself that. What am I doing in my day-to-day life that puts me in proximity of Jesus Christ? To learn and to grow from Him. It's something that we're called to do. It's a choice and it's a commitment. The second thing that is important in this model is the person. The person of Jesus Christ. This isn't just somebody who knows a little about a few things. We're talking, this is the Savior of the world. God incarnate, Jesus Christ, Messiah, who we are called to get close to. It is in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I grew up in Canada. I didn't grow up near American football. If I want to know about American football, I sit down and watch a game with somebody who knows American football. Now, if you all want to know something about hockey, let's go watch a game together. Okay? You see, I know a little bit, you know a little bit, but you know what? You know who knows a lot? is Jesus. And it's the person of Jesus. It's not getting close to your small group leader. It's not just getting close to uh, you know, one of your ministry leaders. It's not just getting close to one of our elders or one of our pastors. It's not a matter of just uh, getting close to me. Ultimately, it's getting close to Jesus. All right? It's not just getting into a group. I love community. I love sitting around a table with food. I say, when that happens, God shows up. But that's the point. God shows up. And we have to remember that there's a point and a purpose to drawing close. It's drawing close to Jesus. And that leads exactly what I just said. There's a purpose behind that. Why did the people come to Jesus? Why did they get in in close proximity to Him? Why did they acknowledge Him as the Messiah? It's because there's a purpose behind it. And Jesus had a purpose for each and every one of them. It's obviously to bring salvation to those who their lives would touch. But it's living incarnationally. It's, It's living as Christ did. Jesus came and moved into the neighborhood, we're called to do the exact same thing. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Heal the sick, raise the dead, set the captives free, live a life of love and grace. This is what learning looks like. So for us, we're called to that same proximity. Get in close to Jesus. We're called to acknowledge that He is the one that brings life. 
No one else does. And He is the one. The person of Jesus Christ is the most important thing. And there's a purpose to our lives. We have a mission. We have something to learn and we have something to do. And that leads us to living this out. To living it out. How does our life reflect this? You know, it frustrates me often when Christians simply talk about it without doing it. I think this frustration came out a few weeks back when I ended a sermon and uh, I'll use a different terminology and say, let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's get at it. You know, let's start moving in the direction that God wants us to. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, he wasn't a Texan. He didn't say, you know, get her done. Uh, He was a French abbot. And he wrote this, hell is full of good wishes and desires. Let's maybe put it, it, this isn't quite Texan, but it says, you know, uh, our our up-to-date version says the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I think so many of us are content to have good intentions as Christ followers. I know this is what God wants. This is the heart of God. Yes, yes, we can even come in and get pretty excited about some of the worship songs we're singing. But how does that transfer and how does that transition into let's get her done? Let's go move. Let's do it. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself? And if so, let's go do it. What's holding you back? What's stopping you? And I believe for us as Crossroads, this is where the learning takes place and growing in our faith because growth brings change. In Matthew 7, at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, this is what it says, it says and Matthew gives the account, he says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at His teaching because He taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. And that's an awesome statement, but you know, how many of us to stop at being amazed. Whoa, that was such good teaching, God. Wow, that was amazing. But where is the life change? Where is the transformation that takes place within us? In the following verses, we, we see Jesus healing people and calming the storm and releasing the demonic spirits. And all along, Jesus is nudging His followers to go do it. To go and do likewise. Come on, let me show you how this is done. Let me show you my heart for people. Let me show you my heart for their lives and what the future is for them. And I want you to go do it as well. Matthew 14. I love this story. There's these crowds following Jesus, about 5,000 of them, and they're out in the burbs, they're out in the, the fields, and they're nowhere near a McDonald's or an Arby's or you know, Raising Cane's or you know, whatever your you know, Taco Bell. Um, they're nowhere near. And so it's getting late at night, and what do the disciples say to Jesus? Hey, Jesus, there's a whole bunch of people here, and it's getting late, and, and we're not close to a fast food joint, so you better send them home. <laughs> you know what Jesus says? You remember? He says, you feed them. Could you imagine being a disciple? 
<laughs> hey, Jesus, 5,000 people here, and uh, we need to start sending them you know, to their homes. So, and, and Jesus looks at you and says, you feed them. <sighs> you know what the response was? Well, we got this bag of loaves and fishes, right? And, how, and what did you say? You feed them. And hear me, Crossroads, I really believe the Lord is looking us in the eye and saying, it's time for you to feed them. It's time for you to feed your community. And I'm not talking a can of beans and you know, some bacon and you know, whatever. I'm talking spiritually. Church, you feed them. You feed them. And you know, the only way we're going to be doing that is if we press in and we get in close proximity to Jesus, the person of Jesus, and we understand the purpose for all of that. And we can sit back and we can be in complete amazement of, of, of God and we can worship Him and we can just be in complete awe. But there's also that movement because the Lord is inviting us, just as He invited the disciples, to participate with Him. And in fact, He's going, I'm going to hang out with the Father. This is your deal. This is your responsibility from now on. But let me tell you, and let me assure you, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And let me assure you and remind me that you're going to do even greater things than I did. When you take a look at, uh, I think we have it on the, uh, the screen, John 20. I didn't share it in the first service, but let me, let me share this. John 20, verse 19. Here uh, were the disciples. This is after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. They, they'd kind of heard rumors that Jesus might have been resurrected, and they're, they're fearing for their life. They're, they're locked inside of uh, this room. And, and then there's a picture of the church in the, in the 21st century, fearing for its life locked in its room, maybe doubting that Jesus has risen from the dead and that he's got the power that he says he has. Whew. Chew on that for a little bit, okay? Verse 19, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Come on, church, let's not be afraid of those naysayers around us and people who would oppose the move of Christ. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy and they saw the Lord. And we could stop there and go, woo, isn't that an awesome sight? But there's no end of the story right there. Go on. Again, he said, peace be with you. And then here he drops the hammer. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So I, go back, so I am sending you. I'm going to say that again. I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Man, wouldn't it have been amazing to be there? <sighs> Ruah. This breath of God, the Holy Spirit being just poured out. And church, this is what it's going to take. This is what it's going to take. You know, many times I've landed on Ephesians 3.20. And we get so caught up on the 
immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. It's amazing. I feel like you guys know my mom by now. Um, she lives in Vancouver, Canada, and she's about 85, 86 years old. And every time I get on the phone, somewhere in the conversation, she's praying immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine over me. And it's just, yes, bring it on, mom. But, you know, we, and we know that verse and we know it so well, but uh, this is the part that I want to constantly remind us about. How does the power of God, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, get manifested in the world as we know it? According to his power that is at work within us. You are the agent through which God wants to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Does that blow your mind? You are the agent And so here's the deal, church. Coming up, we're going to have opportunities to grow in our faith, to get close to God. I invite you to do that personally, privately, as well as corporately. Um, This uh, new building out back affords us some classroom space. Sunday morning, we are going to have opportunities for discipleship classes, adult discipleship classes on Sunday mornings. And that doesn't mean you, you can church and go to a discipleship class. It means you go to a discipleship class and come to church come to church, then go to a discipleship class, and it's not, hey, you do it or else we're going to, you know, blacklist you. No, it's an opportunity. Wednesday night, opportunity for you to grow in your faith. And if those don't fit your schedule, life groups and, and digging into the Word of God. There are groups that meet. There's some guys and some girls and some people, they just meet at a coffee shop. They meet at someone's home. They meet in someone's garage, whatever. It's like, just get together, grow in your faith. Do it. His power at work within you. I'm going to end with this. Many of you are wondering what this is up here. It's the beginning of the year, so I figured we'd do like some exercising. Now, um, it's a rebounder for those at the back that didn't see it. Okay, so here's the picture. I just felt this is what the Lord wants you to see and for you to just get in your mind this year. Okay, we can stand out here and go, okay, I want to get, I want to, get to this place where I want to be effective in my, in my ministry and I want to be effective in, in following the Lord and we're trying to do it on our own. But really what Jesus is saying is, you know what, it's my power at work within you and you put that step onto and into his Holy Spirit. And what's going to happen is this church and this place and this community becomes a launch pad for what God has for you. We can reach much higher. We can do much greater things when we're empowered by his Holy Spirit as opposed to when we're trying to do it on our own. And I know many of you want me to take a run at this and jump and like do the kind of mosh pit thing out in the congregation. But at this point in my life, I'm 51 and I don't have a whole lot of faith that you'll catch me. But anyway, let's stand. I'm inviting our, our worship team to come up to the front. But I just really believe, church, that, that this is what God has for us this year. His power at work within you. And there's a corporate us, yes. More of us pulling on the same rope gets greater work done. I believe that. But at the same time, don't negate the fact that God has a personal ministry for you that you are to be involved in. And you might be sitting there, I I have this conversation so many times, well, pastor, I just don't know as much scripture as you do, and I don't, uh, yeah, who are you kidding? Come on. Once again, I'm flawed, I'm this, you know, I don't have the gifts that this other person, I can't sing like Pastor Barry does, I can't lead and teach like so-and-so, and I can't do that, and it's like, 
Those are excuses. That's you saying, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not gifted like that person. Well, that's the truth. You're not gifted like that person. But you know what? You are gifted. And God wants to work in you and through you. And it's your responsibility. Church, let me say it as, as kindly as I can as your pastor. It is your responsibility to use your gifts. I can't do it for you. I can't do it for you. And feeling ill-equipped is not an excuse. It's time to get equipped, to dig into your word. Pull out your Bible, start reading. If you don't know where to start, talk to someone. Get mentored, get somebody to come alongside you. But this is what I believe we're called to as a church, is to learn and to grow in our faith because God wants to use us. This is going to become a school, more of a school than it is already. And by virtue of us learning and growing, it's going to become a launch pad for incredible ministry to take place. I'm inviting our altar team to come to the front. And as they're doing that, would you bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to lead us in a prayer as we close.